Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11, to the end of the chapter. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness." By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, David. Um, If you could have your Bibles open to this passage as we go through it. Let's make sure that it does come from God um, as we check um, this passage together because it's, it's uh, I think, uh, quite a relevant passage um, for the political climate around us. So um, let's pray that God will speak to us through this passage. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for your word that it speaks uh, to us now, 2,000 years later after it was written. We thank you. These are living and active words. And we pray that you will shape our minds and bend our hearts uh, towards obedience, that we might shine your light um, to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. People these days find trusting authorities difficult. According to the Gallup poll survey released um, in this past June 2016, It says only 36% of the U.S. people trust the presidency, the institution of the presidency, and 27%, that's quite low, trusted the banks. 23% had faith in the criminal justice system, which is really low. Churches fared better, but not that much better, 41%. 
That's in the U.S., but I wonder what that's like actually in Hong Kong. What people would say about the Chinese president, the chief executive, the, the, the justice system, or the banks. I imagine it wouldn't fare that much better if they fared better at all. And that raises a difficult question. How do we submit to authorities that we do not trust? And let's be clear, this is the Bible's command. It's spelled out in verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, every human institution that was made. And it's, all an, it's an all-encompassing command here, isn't it? It's a, every human authority, every human institution over us, emperors and governors, the governments. He says in verse 13, to uh, uh, submit yourself to the masters in verse 18. Today, Peter might tell us to submit to our bosses in in our workplaces. He'll go on to talk about other kinds of submission, and Niels will talk about that next week. But then the question comes to our minds, why should 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 we submit to these authorities, to these human institutions and people? Well, that was there in verse 13, submit yourselves. Uh, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. We are to submit ourselves to human authorities um, and institutions for Christ's sake. And what that partly means is that if we were left on our own, that we don't have to submit to human authorities. After all, Peter has been telling us that we are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We have been set apart We are royal. We are God's possession. We're God's people. Our citizenship is in heaven, which means that we are subject to only God and his rule. That's why he calls us in verse 17, free. Live as free people, he says. But we don't submit. We don't submit ourselves to the human authorities because we are beholden to them, to our governments and to our bosses. But we submit because, he says, this is what God wants us to do. This is what, um, as God's slaves, uh, the, uh, what, uh, the, uh, I'm, I'm not actually sure what, what version David read. Uh, uh, it says God's, yeah, 1984 NIV. They've changed it because it says uh, as God's servants. Actually, it should just be translated as God's slaves. As people beholden to God alone, as his slaves, we are to obey him. We are to submit for Christ's sake. This is what God wants us to do in verse 16. This is God's will for you, he says in verse 16. But then the question is, why would God want us to submit to these human authorities? Why does submission to God express itself in submission to human authorities? Peter tells us, verse 15, for it is God's will, sorry, it is God's will Um, that by doing good, that you should silence the ignorant talk of the foolish people. You see, God wants us to live our lives in such a way that even if people slander us, uh, accuse us of doing wrong, if they observe us, that our good deeds, our submission would shut them up. It's a parallel explanation, the further explanation of what he wrote in verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans, that they, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. That word, good in Greek, um, could be translated as beautiful or attractive. What he's saying is live such 
good and attractive lives, that people will be drawn to you. As they see you, they'll be attracted to you and therefore to God. And Peter's rephrasing Jesus' words on Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that others, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. So in this world, we work under institutions and human authorities over us. And this means that we submit to our bosses in the workplace. We give them the benefit of the doubt and work to achieve the goals that they have set for us. We work alongside our senior manager's um, uh, unreasonable request without grumbling and complaints because this is what they asked us to do. We sometimes work overtime because that's what the boss wants us to do. We ought to be the kinds of people that the bosses like having because we are Christians. We are good workers and we work with them under their authority. Likewise, we submit to the governments. Christians ought to be good citizens. We should pay our taxes, obey the traffic rules, and be respectful to the police, to the chief executive, to our president. If we once cheated our taxes, then we should stop. If we always badmouth those who are in authority, we should stop. We should pray for them instead. That's what it means to live under Christ's authority. This is what God wants us to do. But as an aside, let me address quickly um, what it means to submit to authority in a democratic system, because, or semi-democratic system, or whatever kind of system that we live in in Hong Kong. In an imperial system, I mean, authority is located in one person, but in democracy, authority is actually spread out, right? People are given, each person can cast a vote. That's a different system than the system that Paul, uh, Peter is addressing here. And in this system, also, there's rule of law that we can appeal to. If there is an abuse of power, we can go to the law and go through the proper channels to appeal uh, to, uh, in, uh, um, about injustice, and or we, we can vote to um, uh, cast. Uh, we can vote in the next election to throw this uh, uh, unjust person out. So submission doesn't mean that we support the ruling party uh, completely. I mean, uh, without any reservation. It sounds silly, but it must be said that Christians can vote and should sometimes vote for the other party, for candidates or. Um, or even run for office. We must do so in order for democracy to work. That is the system in place. Americans do not have to sit silently along with every proposal that the incoming president uh, puts forward. They can oppose, they can dissent, they can even campaign against it. And that's what a healthy democracy looks like. And likewise in Hong Kong, people in Hong Kong have ways to show its discontent towards even the government using the media writing to the government, uh, to newspapers, organizing peaceful rallies or organizing sit-ins, casting your ballots in the next election. That's important. And it's a good way to do so. But at the same time, I don't want you to get lost in these, but at the same time, the point is this, that Christians must do so in a way that shows proper respect to everyone and honors those who are above us, who are placed above us. Christians must pray for the rulers and, being, and be respectful even when we disagree with their rule. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but what if you have a really bad boss who abuses power all the time? What if you live in a government, in a city, where the government is so horrible? 
what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to submit to their authority as well? The short answer is yes. Because Peter, after all, is writing to people who were being persecuted, people who were suffering then, 2,000 years back. He assumes that you will be living under bad government, under bad masters. And he makes it clear when he talks about the bosses submitting to bad bosses in verse 18, slaves. In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only uh, those bosses, masters who are good and considerate, but those to, uh, to those who are harsh. Everyone can submit to good bosses, and they do, don't they? Everyone can submit to good governments, and they do. But what makes Christians distinct is that we also submit to authorities that are not good, And he urges Christians to continue submitting and to suffer as you submit for doing good in verse 20. Because he assumes that authorities are bad, that these are human authorities, that we live in exile under bad leadership. So when Christians live a good and godly life in in that place, that they will suffer. He assumes that you will suffer because you are in exile, because you live under bad government and bad leadership. Remember Daniel and his friends? That whole series? How Daniel submitted to that government and to those leadership, but also lived a good life in a distinct way. And I know the thought of submission to bad government is hard. I know many who bristle at the idea of submitting to Donald Trump to Siwailong, to Beijing. But that is what is asked of us. No matter what you think of the leadership, we Christians should submit to them, be respectful, be, pray, be praying, and, and, and continue to be good citizens under them. So will you submit to these, these authorities, even to rulers who are painfully disagree, disagreeable to you? But once again... I want to talk a little bit about that doesn't mean that we give our unqualified support to all that they do and all our bosses demand. We're given means to protest in democracy, as I've said before. But now I want to talk a little bit about suffering. Sometimes we have to disagree with the authority and stand up against them uh, while submitting to their rule. But if we do this, we will suffer. This is one of the reasons why submission in, under bad leadership requires us to suffer, where God's command and the government's uh, command are at odds, where our bosses' requests and God's commands are at odds against each other. We must always choose to obey God. After all, we're obeying human authorities for the Lord's sake. And we... Um, we see such disobedience in the Bible, too. The midwives disobey the Pharaoh. When the Pharaoh asked to kill all the Jewish boys, Rahab disobeys the king of Jericho and helps the Israelites. Daniel and his friends refuse many times. The Babylonian king, even Peter, the author of this, this, this letter, even Peter, when the religious authorities asked Peter to stop preaching the gospel, he says in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than men. He says, no. So if the government forces us 
not to worship God or not to meet together, we must respectfully decline. If the government wants us to treat those who bear the image of God as less than human beings, we must respectfully fight against it. If it enacts laws that take advantage of the poor and enrich the wealthy, we must respectfully take actions against it. And that's, of course, the same in our workplace as well. We don't blindly do everything that our bosses tell us to do. If they tell us to lie or to exaggerate or whatever, we must respectfully refuse. If they tell us to cheat our customer, we must stand firm and say, no, we can't do that. But this is important. We honor the authority even as we do so, even if that means our suffering as a result of it. And that's why Peter then tells us to follow Christ's example in verse 21 and on. Peter tells us that Jesus suffered, but he, as he was suffering, he didn't hurl insults. He didn't retaliate in violence. He made no threats. Jesus is the heavenly king. Think about the situation. He is the heavenly king, the son of God, the one to whom every knee, every person will bend the knee. Yet when he's judged by one of his creation, unjustly, by Pontius Pilate. He answers, and he's respectful. When one of his disciples pick up the sword, he tells him to put it away. Submission means no violent insurrection, even to oppressive Roman government. He tells his followers to give to Caesar what is his. In general, Living peacefully under the authority, honoring them, even they persecute, persecute us, is, is the way. Um, in, in general, even if they, uh, it means suffering, it's suffering in the, 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 the way that's respectful and honoring to the authority over us. That's how, what it means to be a Christian. And actually, the way that we suffer in the most un, unjust times, in the most unjust circumstance, will be the greatest moments of witness to the world. In fact, we will be a witness to Christ's goodness, especially, especially when our peaceful suffering, when our respectful suffering becomes illogical to the world around us, when they don't understand how you cannot pick up the sword, when they don't understand how you cannot be violent, how they don't understand that why you can't, why, um, Uh, They they don't understand why you are not disrespectful. It is then, when it becomes illogical to the world, it will bear witness to God and his goodness. And it will become a witness to the fact that actually we're not submitting because they are good, but we are submitting because we're free people and we obey Christ. In 1960, Ruby Bridges was part of a U.S sort of desegregation where the black children were being integrated to the white-only schools. And she was six years old and about to be the only black uh, child at William France Elementary School. There was a, uh, the, the school-wide protest and the police, New Orleans um, uh, uh, department, uh, police department, as well as the statewide uh, police department, Louisiana department, refused to protect her. So the federal marshals uh, were called, uh, sent in to keep the crowds back, and they hurled insults to this six-year-old girl as she entered the school. Some threatened to poison her, so she had to eat uh, food from uh, home. 
One day she was greeted by a woman who had a, a, a black a, 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 a woman who made this coffin um, with the black doll inside. And she went into the class. Actually, she found the classroom empty because the white parents refused to send their kids to the class. But Mrs. Henry was assigned to teach her. And one morning she noticed that Ruby was walking towards the school and stopping. And Ruby turned towards the angry crowd and said some words. It seemed like she was speaking to them. And Mrs. Henry later on asked Ruby what happened, why she tried to talk to such an angry crowd. And Ruby told her that she didn't stop to talk to them. But I saw you talking, said Mrs. Henry. I saw your lips moving, Ruby replied. I wasn't talking. I was praying. With her mother's encouragement, Ruby apparently prayed twice as she entered the school and as she left the school. And this is the prayer that she said. Please, God, try to forgive these people. Because even if they say these bad things, they don't know what they're doing. So you could forgive them, just like you did those folks a long time ago when they said terrible things about you. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. That's what she was doing. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. That's what she was doing. You know, later that year, two white boys joined, the Ruby, uh, joined Ruby in her class, and then slowly others as well. You know, sometimes when we do good, when we do what is right, actually some people will be drawn to God and drawn to the goodness in us. And that is why we stand firm. We try to do what is good. But as we go, to, as we go towards the end, as we end, let me just warn you, this will not always be so. This will not always happen. In fact, don't be surprised if our bosses and the government continue to do wrong, to do wrong, even after we make our peaceful stand or even heroic suffering. Don't be surprised if your bosses continue not to be affected by, the good, by your good works. Many times, actually, if you do the right thing, they will continue to speak harshly against you or even pass you up for promotion and persecute you. Many governments don't like it when the church stands up for justice and for the poor, for the freedom uh, to worship. Some governments might even persecute and try to silence Christians while we do so. It seems a silly thing to say, but I say this because we are often surprised. We're often surprised when we do good, then people don't change. We're often surprised when we do the right thing and people start taking advantage of us. We're surprised when our best deeds seem to have no effect in the world. But remember who Peter is writing to, foreigners and exiles. We will continue to be that. And the book of Daniel told us that we will continue to be foreigners and exiles until Jesus comes back. It will be like this until Jesus comes back. This will be the norm. So don't be surprised. And secondly, as you suffer, as you do what is right in the workplace, in this world, as you suffer because of it, you'll be tempted to withdraw. But don't stop engaging the world 
when things don't go very well. That will be our temptation to stop engaging with the world, to find Christian colleagues and just make a little holy huddle, to try to set up a Christian community that is separated from the world and live in isolation. We see this during the Middle Ages with people going into monasteries or Anabaptists trying to set up a separate country, a separate world, alternative society that's disengaged from the world. Well, you might think, well, no, we're not Middle Ages, we're not Anabaptists, we're not Amish. But actually, that mentality is, is in us, isn't there? Some of us just want to be with other Christians. All our friendships with our other Christians, we want to just mingle with other Christians because that's where we're most comfortable. Some of us dream of perhaps finding a Christian job with Christian workers only, where we'll get to work with people who are like-minded. That seems quite attractive, Some of us think about moving away from difficult places where we are with people who are more like-minded. But you see, God wants us, wants us to live in as foreigners and exiles. God wants us to be resident aliens. God wants us in the world. God chose us. As royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that we might declare his praise to the rest of the world who don't know him. As we, we are to be in this world working and marrying and building houses, in the words of Jeremiah, sharing our lives with the world so that the world would come to know God. And this inevitably is difficult It means suffering, and actually it means self-sacrifice, not getting what we want. But that is what we are to do for the sake of the world. Verse 20, 21, this is our calling. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his, uh, his footsteps mingling with non-Christians, living under unjust rulers, wicked masters, engaging with the fallen world. Well, all that is difficult. But to this we were called, to be in this world, to suffer as a result, but to then to shine Christ's light in their midst so that they might come to know God. We're free not to do so. Christ paid for your salvation. It does, it's not, it, it, this doesn't, it, we don't do this because this is a way of earning our salvation. We're free to disobey and free not to submit to our bosses. We're free to disengage with the world and set up our own colony. But when we live in this world, when we submit to the authorities that are over us, and when we endure, and shine Christ's light, even in the harshest of circumstance, people will be drawn to Christ. And we then fulfill the reason for which, why we were called, why we were chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, declaring his praise so that others might join us in that praise. Let's pray.
Lord, we give you great praise and thanks for your word that reveals to us that this world is fallen, that we live under unjust rulers, unjust people who are over us. Help us to submit to them. Help us to be good among them. Help us to endure and suffer in the midst of them that we might declare your praise to them, that they might come and join in our praise of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand um, as we sing, I will offer up my life. Um, And this is what it takes to live in this world, isn't it? to offer up our entire lives as living sacrifice for him. Let's sing together.
sit down. Before we go, should we just take a moment to pray on our own? Um, think about all the people that actually we need to submit to, that we have been avoiding, um, people that we need to love. Think about the people that you have been um, trying to disengage and not to engage. And let's pray that we will engage with them, that we will declare um, his praise um, to them. And I'll close this in final prayer and blessing. Let's pray. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Lord, we give you great praise for the mercy that we've received. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, that we can be now your people. And help us to go and declare your praise. Help us to declare your praise in Hong Kong, no matter what the political circumstances. Help us to declare your praise by our goodness. Help us to declare your praise in our workplaces. Lord, help us to submit to unjust rulers, unjust bosses, to the people around us. May they come to know you through the goodness that they see in us. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with us now and forevermore. Amen.